everyone, and welcome to Sort of My Podcast. My name is Vincent Herman, Vin the Human, and this is Sort of My Ant Man and the Wasp Review. But before we jump into that, like our nerd news page, Sort of My Comics, on Facebook, and follow Sort of My Podcast on Instagram. Check out Subject to Change Entertainment on Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube and SoundCloud. You're checking this out somewhere. While here, why not like, comment, and share? Sharing is the best way to get us out in front of people, and, uh, you know, you do it. You'd be a really cool guy. Does that uh, appeal to your need to be loved? I hope it does. And all of our personal social media is down in the description below. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode. I just saw the movie last night. Thought it was actually really good. One of the problems I'm starting to run into, it's not necessarily fatigue. In fact, it's not fatigue at all. What it is, is that... Some of these movies raise the bar so high and you walk into a movie like Ant-Man and the Wasp out of uh, Avengers Infinity War and you don't, you don't expect it to be as good. So it kind of puts you on this even field because you do expect it to be a certain level of good because it's an MCU film, but then again, it's also not Avengers 4, so you're not expecting it to be over the moon. Put you in a really comfortable place, so stepping back from that, just as a film, it's just really good. It's fun, it's an awesome, not really a heist movie as much as it is a game of hot potato involving a building. Which it does switch hands a lot in this movie, and you never like really know who's going to end up with it here or there. There are several times when it's between Walter Goggins' group, Ghost, and the Ant-Man crew trying to get this thing. And you're like, holy fuck, who, okay, yeah, who's walking away with it this time? And it happens at least two or three times in the movie. Not exhaustingly, because the way the story plays out, it actually calls for this to be kind of a necessity because otherwise it'd just be we're going from a to b and with that i'd like to talk about the story a bit essentially what's going on in this film is that scott lang has been under house arrest for two days nope for two years with only three days to go we get to see that he still gets to see his daughter on the weekends which is stupid adorable there is this part involving cardboard forts and and tunnels and stuff and it's just really fun i'm not gonna spoil anything specific in there it's just you're gonna smile it's good it's just good and wholesome but he's only got three days left on his house arrest and he just has to ride that out when he finally gets a vision from the quantum realm which compels him to reach out to hank pym and janet van dyne or hope uh, i'm sorry hope van dyne because he saw Janet in the quantum realm. So, of course, they show up. He ends up helping him out, but he's obviously on a timetable here. He can't do all this. And they're trying to build a quantum machine. I can't remember exactly what they called it, but everything has quantum at the beginning of it. So, just let's call it a quantum laser transporter thing. A TLTT, if you will. But anyways, they're trying to build this TLTT so that they can go into the quantum realm and get Janet back. But everything they have is tied up in this building because because of Scott's decision to go off and help Captain America, which they reference 
several times in this movie. In fact, I'm actually pretty happy with the fact that this film is another one, much like Avengers Infinity War, where you you really have to have seen the first Ant-Man and Captain America Civil War to understand a lot of what's happening here. Not necessarily everything, the whole purpose of the building and the machine and all that is pretty clear cut and put in here and they even give a little recap as to why janet is in the quantum realm so it kind of catches you up to speed so maybe you don't have to see ant-man but it would really help to see civil war to get a lot of what they're talking about when they're talking about why they're so mad at ant-man plus you should just see civil war anyways through all that we've got walter goggins playing Sonny Birch, who's been helping them get these parts under the table, who's decided that he's done working with them unless they're going to cut him in on the technology because they can make billions. And then you've also got Ghost, uh, played by Hannah Kamen, who is someone who was affected by a quantum experiment gone wrong and that is why she has her powers and she is trying to get this to fix herself so it's these three groups of people trying to get this building and that's the story and from there i'd like to go ahead and start talking about the characters paul rudd scott lang ant-man nailed it nothing really to expand on here he's paul rudd he's ant-man he's great i loved him uh, Evangeline Lilly, Hope Van Dyme, a.k.a. The Wasp, she was great. Uh, I mean, the movie's called Ant-Man and the Wasp, so you would hope she would be forefront and prevalent and really important to the movie, and she was. Michael Pena, Lewis, uh, oh my god. Okay, so in the first movie, he does his uh, recap stories, these really long-winded uh, abridged tales. And it plays out at least three or four times in that film, appropriately so, and really funny. And But the, in this movie, it only ever happens once, but when it happens, God, you love it. Uh, fuck, I love that character. He's so fun. Walton Goggins. I'm sorry, I was calling him Walter Goggins earlier. <laughs> uh, Walton Goggins, uh, he, he did a great job. Um, kind of a cookie-cutter villain i want to steal this tech so i can get money there's nothing deeper to him there but i don't really think there has to be he's effective for what he's necessary for and it's all you can really ask uh we're gonna we're, we're gonna go through a few people here because a lot of these people aren't necessarily integral to the story i read these off of imdb's while i go somewhere uh jimmy woo uh, played by Randall Park. He was pretty fun, but I feel like he gets a little goofier towards the end of the film, and, eh, you know, he's the dumb FBI guy, whatever. It's And then there's this part at the end about a, a hug and making dinner reservations. It just didn't play with me. I don't know. Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. the original Wasp, she is... Really great in this movie, but she's not in it very long, and that's that's something that's very important. And I think that it's necessary for that, because they could have cut to the Quantum Realm and show her doing this and put a lot more uh, Quantum Realm visions in there, but they, they really downplayed it. They saved her for towards the end of the film, and 
she delivers. I mean, she's Michelle Pfeiffer, so of course she's going to, but Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Dr. Bill Foster, a.k.a. Goliath from back in the day, he was on point, really good. Michael Douglas, Dr. Hank Pym, again, you know, take Hank Pym from the first movie, we got him in this movie, he nailed it, he knows what he's doing, good time. Uh, and from there, let's go ahead and talk about the visual effects. One thing that bothers me about this film is that a lot of the growing and shrinking gags, the best growing and shrinking gags, are in the trailer. There's still plenty of stuff in this film and stuff we didn't see before. Um, and even a couple visually like enticing moments uh, that we didn't see in the trailers, but... Still, it's... I hate it when they do that. Like, don't get me wrong, the trailers got me excited, but they got me excited because I was in the mindset that, whoa, okay, if this is the stuff in the trailers, what's in the movie? And this is one of those instances where I was a little let down because I've seen it all. And I enjoyed the places it took in the film. I just think that you really need to start downplaying that stuff. But, of course, everything looks pretty clean. Uh, you know, you've got your whole Uncanny Valley theory. Like, you know, when he, Scott Lang goes giant, it looks a little unnatural. And it's because that shit doesn't happen in real life. And I think that's what it is. Because if you were to still frame any of that, it would look perfect. But most importantly, I think, and this is something we saw them get perfectly in guardians of the galaxy volume two and i'm also pretty sure a lot of the visual effects artists that work on one film work on the next film so don't quote me on that that's just an assumption i have i know a lot of the same studios work on each of these films but we saw how good kurt russell was de-aged in Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, when they do that in this film, they nailed it again. Young Lawrence Fishburne, young Michael Douglas, uh, young uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Just wow, how how they have far they have come with this technology. Because I think the first time I saw it, and I don't know if this is the first time Disney used it, but it was Tron Legacy, and <laughs> you could argue that because. This de-aged version of himself was in the digital world. It's excusable. Like, maybe it wouldn't look too crisp. But they do it later in other films. And, it again, it's like, you still got some work to do here. But they've done that work. They've gotten it right. And it's, it's superb. I love it. I love how they use it. I love how they don't abuse it. And it's always important, used to tell important elements of the story. So, oh man, good on you, Disney, ILM, who, all, all the different studios that are a part of that. Thank you for making that a thing now. I love it. So let's go ahead and move on from here. We're going to jump into spoilers. And if you have not seen the film yet, Ugh, go see the film just just stop with the other bullshit just stop whatever you're doing right now go see the film okay so this was your spoiler warning 
I've given you plenty of time now to get the hell out of here. And if, if you listened to my last review, you know that I might just drop something very important right off the bat if you haven't left yet. But not this time. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Big spoiler warning. Get the hell out. You've got three, two, one. All right, let's dig into this motherfucker. But instead of picking apart every little thing, I want to talk about specific elements in this. So let's talk about Ghost a little bit here. Uh, as I've already said, she got her powers through a quantum experiment. Well, it turns out that her father is Elias Starr. Now, if that name sounds familiar to some Marvel diehards, they will know that it is Eggman, one of Ant-Man's classic villains. And in this movie, it's explained that Elias Starr and Bill Foster used to work with Hank Pym, but there was a falling out, and Bill and Elias decided to go off. They're going to do their own thing. Well, a problem with the experiment ended up killing Elias Starr and his wife and causing uh, Ghost to get her powers, which is essentially her cells breaking apart and reconstructing themselves constantly, which puts her in a state of pain at all times, which is actually what the suit is for. The suit is not to allow her to go through things, it's more to give her a small bit of control and to ease some of the pain. With this suit actually being created by Bill Foster, because it turns out he's helping her. Because he was a good friend of her father's, he decided to take her in and would find a cure for her. I love how they cast Elias Starr because it looks like a Dr. Egghead, or not, I don't know if you put doctor at the beginning of it, but it does look like a, as, as humanly possible of an Eggman type person as you can get. Because uh, I, I don't think Eggman has a neck. And speaking a little more of Bill Foster, uh, another bummer in this film, and it's just, it's the smallest thing, it's not important, but I really wish we'd have gotten to see Goliath, an actual, like, him growing and fighting crime or something. That's just wish fulfillment on my part, and of course we can't get everything, but... In those two things, like I, I am satisfied, satisfied with them talking about Goliath. They do that quite a, I don't know, quite a bit enough through the film, and I, I, it was pretty cool to see Eggman because honestly, I didn't think I'd ever see him. He's a terrible villain. He's just stupid. <laughs> but we got him. We got we got Eggman in the MCU, and he existed at one point. So that's. That was pretty cool. Again, more wish fulfillment. He's just dumb. Um, there's there's not really much secretive surprise stuff in this movie. It takes you from A to B to C to D to E to F because there are a lot of pin mark points in this story. Thinking back on it, I really can't pull anything that's too crazy of a spoiler out except for maybe the post credit scene so uh, why don't we go ahead and just we'll get right into the post credit scene uh, there are two of them actually the second one I'll 
Oh, you know, the second one I'll touch on now because it, it's so inconsequential. I was actually a little bummed I stuck stuck around for that. But basically, this scene is just one of the giant ants playing on the electric drum set, as you saw in some of the trailers and advertisements and stuff. But while that's going on, you're also hearing a emergency broadcast tone, uh, and it's because of Infinity War, where Thanos snapped and killed half the universe. So that's what that was. But the mid-credits scene, much more important, much way cooler. So what's happening in this scene is that uh, Scott, Hank, Hope, and Janet are all on this rooftop. They have miniaturized the technology for this machine, the TLTT, that'll allow Scott to go into the quantum realm. And they're going in to collect some of the awesome science stuff in there so that they can continue. I think they were like healing particles is what they were calling them. So they can continue to help Ghost because it turns out Janet was the key to helping out Ghost this whole time. Because when Janet gets out of the quantum realm, she has been absorbing this energy this whole time. And she now has these healing powers of sorts uh and she's able to stabilize ava or ghost and that's why they're going in so that janet i i assume so janet doesn't have to keep doing this they don't really expect uh, explain why they have to do this and janet can't just keep doing her thing for ghost but uh they're going to collect this stuff possibly to experiment on it to help her with a more permanent solution i don't know Anyway, Scott goes in, uh, they're monitoring his progress, they're talking on the comms and everything, he collects the stuff, and he's like, okay, I'm ready to go. Silence. Guys, I need to get out of here, come on. Silence. And this goes back and forth a bit, and Scott's freaking out, and then it shows the rooftop again, and surrounding the equipment is falling ash, which means... Again, this is an, this also plays into Avengers Infinity War where Thanos kills half the universe and will go on to affect uh, Avengers 4. But this means that during the events of the fight in Wakanda, Scott Lang is trapped in the fucking quantum realm. Now, we've seen him get out of there in the first film uh, with one of the little growing pod things, but... If he doesn't have any of those on him, which I don't see why he wouldn't, then he's he's fucking in there. And I don't know how he gets out uh, other than maybe the time warps um, or time pockets. I don't remember exactly what they call him, but before he goes in, Janet warns him about some of the dangers. So there's either... Oh, wow, whoa, wait a minute. What if he uses the time thing to jump back and then when he comes out, he's able to help the Avengers with Infinity War? Oh, that's crazy. But if he has one of the growing things, he'll come out and he'll, of course, seek out Captain America because it's the only other Avenger he really has ties to. And uh, yeah, that was really cool. Just to see that, just to see how Avengers Infinity War affected this pocket of the universe, this these people, 
Very interesting. But it's also about, because fucking Wasp is gone, and god damn it, I want the Wasp in the fucking Avengers. Come on. I've been saying this since Civil War. I I don't see any reason why they couldn't have brought her in. And they do talk about, like I said, they talk about Civil War in this whole thing uh, all throughout. Because essentially what happens is Scott just runs off with Captain America. He gets swept away by, like, holy crap, Captain America wants my help. Uh, and they they were in the middle of some shit, I guess. And then the Sokovia Accords hit, and it be, he became a criminal. And his associates get dragged down with him. They become criminals, and he basically screwed them by going to help Captain America and getting caught. So if Hope had gone to help the Avengers and help Captain America fight in Germany, this would have been a very different movie, uh, because. At one point, Hope does say, we'll never know what would have happened if I'd have gone with you, other than the fact that you wouldn't have gotten caught. So, this might have been a pretty different movie. Who knows? But, eh, maybe not. I don't know. Even if they'd have gotten away, they still would have been labeled fugitives, and still had to go on the run and shit, so it could have been the same thing. But, whatever. Anyways, those were the big important things I wanted to talk about. And there you have it. That is my <laughs> ramshackle Ant-Man and the Wasp review. I really hope you guys enjoyed it or took something away from it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll stop doing these. I don't If you want me to stop doing these, tell me down in the comments below. But as always, guys, like this episode if you liked it. Subscribe if you loved it. If you're on YouTube, don't forget to hit that bell below if you want to know when the newest videos are going up. Comment your thoughts on anything uh, I talked about in this, except for maybe the spoilers. Be cool, guys. And uh, please, please, please share this episode. Look, you're here. There's a button. Just do it real quick. It's going to take you like three seconds after this ends. Uh, you know, get it out there. Let people know what we're doing. And, uh, you know, that would be awesome of you. But my name is Vincent Herman, Vin the Human, and this has been sort of my Ant-Man and the Wasp review. Cue that quantum outro music. <laughs>